Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Jonah. Come on, somebody say Jonah. <laughs> Very popular story that most of us are familiar with. We are kicking off a series called Jonah. And, you know, as a pastor, I just want to give you a heads up. There are messages, sometimes there are messages that I preach, and I I think about the entire church. I think about this is going to equip the entire body of Christ. There's in, In my planning, in my prayer, in my preparation, I think about as a father would talk to a family, I think about the entire family. There's some messages that you preach, and they're for the whole family. But there's sometimes a pastor will preach a message, And it's for one person. And I want you to know today we are going after one. I'm thankful for the hundreds and thousands of people that will join us in this message today. But I'm on a rescue mission for one. And I don't know who you are today, but God sees you. You know, Jesus values the one. He ministered to the multitudes but he cared about the one. He's the good shepherd that would leave the 90 and 9. Come on, somebody. He would risk the safety of 99 to go chase down that one. We serve a Jesus who would be in a crowd filled with people, but then that one woman with the issue of blood, that one lady would crawl through that crowd and touch the hem of his garment. And he says, whoa, 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 wait, who who touched me? Jesus would stop it all for one. And I want you to know that not just this message, but this entire series, God loves you so much that he would frame this entire series on Jonah just for you. A rescue mission for one. Jonah, we're going to talk about lessons from a man who ran. And I don't know where you are in your journey with the Lord. But if you're running, maybe some of you, life has just totally fallen apart. Maybe some of you don't even know where you are or how you got there. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't even know how to find my way back. This message is for you. Now you say, well, Pastor, what about me? I'm with God and, you know, I'm all good. Okay, well, if I'm not preaching to you, then I want you praying for me. Come on, somebody. Because this is a rescue mission for one person. And I believe with the body of Christ and with the help of the Holy Spirit, we're going to reach out and we're going to save somebody today. Who was Jonah? Jonah was a prophet in Israel approximately 750, almost 800 years before the time of Christ. He ministered uh, during the, the reign of King Jeroboam II. Interesting fact about Jonah. Jonah is the only Old Testament prophet who was called by God to leave his homeland and travel as a missionary to a foreign nation. There's a lot of Old Testament prophets. But Jonah was the only Old Testament prophet that God said, I want you to leave what's familiar, and I want you to step into something unfamiliar. I mean, think about it. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Most Old Testament prophets, they stayed in their homeland, and they warned their nation, whether it was Israel or Judah, they warned them to repent. 
But yet God speaks to Jonah and says, I want you to leave what's familiar and step into something that's foreign. Uh, Let me stop right here and say this. God may be calling some of you to do something that's never been done before. I pray that through this message that some of you, God will stir you, that there will be an awakening inside of you to step out of what's familiar and to step into something that's untapped. I tell my, my staff all the time, listen, we've got to do ministry not out of memory but out of imagination. Don't just do it because it's always been done that way. Some of you need to dream a new dream. You need to think a new thought. God's going to deposit something in you. He's going to stir your heart. Maybe it is for the nations. Maybe it is for your next door neighbor. He's going to call you out of what's familiar and tell you to do something that you've never done before. Can I have a good amen? Well, I feel the holy. Turn your name and say, he's preaching already. Interesting fact, Jonah's name means dove. Jonah means dove. A dove was symbolic of the nation of Israel, the the, the people of God. His very name means dove. Remember when Jesus was baptized in Matthew chapter 3? Remember that? When When John the Baptist baptized Jesus in the Jordan River, and the scripture says when Jesus came up out of the water, what was it that came and settled on Jesus? A dove, symbolic of the Holy Spirit. That moment is a call back to Jonah. Jonah's name means dove. When Jesus was baptized and the dove descended, it's a call back to Jonah. In other words, God's trying to remind us that Jesus is the original Jonah. Jonah was called to leave his homeland and preach to a rebellious people. Jesus left heaven, come on somebody, and he came to a rebellious earth. The original Jonah we see in Jesus himself. Jesus was on a rescue mission, not just for the nation of Israel, but for every lost sheep. Who were the Ninevites? Nineveh was a city. It would be the capital of the Assyrian Empire. It was located in modern-day Iraq. And the Ninevites were people who lived in Nineveh. This city was a a walled city. It it was a a city that was walled 100 feet high, 50 feet wide. And they had hundreds of thousands of people in this city. Now, history will tell us that the Ninevites were wicked. I mean, they weren't just wicked. They were notorious for their wickedness. They were legendary for their cruelty. How many of you, maybe you grew up with some bad people, but then you knew that there were some notoriously bad people. There was like, hey, mama would warn you, hey, you know, watch out for them bad people. But then she would say, especially stay away from that one. These were the Ninevites. I mean, I don't even have time to tell you their cruelty and how they tortured their victims. And when they would capture a city, the things that they would do to little boys and and little girls, their torture tactics were barbaric. And these were the Ninevites. And God spoke to Jonah and said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. Somebody say, help me, Jesus. Title of the message today, if you're taking notes, because history makers are, I want you to write this down. The title of today's message is simply this. You can run, but you can't hide. Mm. Now, I do have some honorable mentions, okay? I just feel like it's only fair to throw out some honorable mention titles. I I almost call this the hard-to-swallow truth about obedience, 
Come on, the whale. Some of you will catch that in just a minute. The hard to swallow truth about it. I almost called it this, when bad decisions eat up your profits. <laughs> profits. You'll catch that tomorrow. <laughs> or I almost called it this, all's well that ends well. <laughs> Turn your neighbor and say, he's so cheesy. <laughs> but I really wanted to call it reverse sushi. The revenge of the tuna. Come on, somebody. We're going to call it this. You, you can run, but you can't hide. Read with me in Jonah chapter 1, starting with verse 1. I'm going to read a little more scripture probably than what you're used to, but the story is so good, it just it, it tells itself. It doesn't really need my help. Here's the story. Lessons from a man who ran. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. He says in verse 2, get up. Somebody say, get up. Now, I want you to circle that phrase in your Bible. We'll get back to that in just a minute. God's speaking to Jonah, and he says, hey, Jonah, get up. And I want you to go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. God himself saw the exceeding wickedness of the Ninevites. In other words, their evil was so bad, it stunk to high heaven. Literally. I've seen how wicked they are, and I want you to get up, and I want you to go to that great evil city and pronounce my judgment upon its people. Verse 3, but Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction. <laughs> Somebody say, my, my, my. You see, there may be a little Jonah in all of us. Come on. The Bible says Jonah got up, and he went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down. Somebody say, down. We'll see the significance of that. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. <laughs> That's a strange word. Tar Tarshish. Lardy dardy dar. Every time I say Tarshish, I think of like, like a pirate. Tarshish. Hard to say. He bought a ticket, bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. First thought I want to give you is simply this. Number one, we all have a tendency to run. We all do. Before we're quick to judge this Old Testament prophet. Now, I know it's easy for us because most of us know this story from beginning to end. But God spoke to Jonah and told him to do something he wasn't really comfortable with. And I think in his journey, in the journey of Jonah, we're going to find that all of us have a tendency to run. Now listen, running doesn't make you bad. It makes you human. It's not that bad people run from God. Sometimes good people, having good intentions, run the opposite direction. Are you with me today? Has God ever told you to do something that you just didn't want to do it? Oh, Lord, really? I said I was sorry first last time. Come on down. Am I talking to some married folk in here? Oh, yeah, you'll make your kids apologize, but then, man, when God's telling you to apologize, it's a little different story. We all have a tendency to run. It doesn't make us bad. It shows that we are human. We have this nature inside of us that is contrary to God. Why is it that people run? Let me ask you this. Have you ever run from God? Why'd you do it? 
Why do we run when it, 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 all rationale, I mean, it goes against common sense. I mean, if you know the Lord, you know how futile it is to run from him. But we do it anyway. How many of you have found out that common sense isn't so common anymore? Why do we run? Sometimes we run to avoid pain. Sometimes we run because we've been hurt so badly that we just don't trust anybody. I'll never be treated that way again. I'll never let anybody hurt me that way again. And our circle of trust gets so small that God himself can't even fit in it. Come on now. We run to avoid pain. We run because we've been hurt. We've run because we're afraid. Maybe we're afraid of, of what God will tell us to do or what we'll find out about ourselves if we obey. Maybe we run to prove something to ourselves. Or maybe we're running to prove something to somebody else. Sometimes we run to the things that we think are going to make us happy. Whatever reason, and we'll find this out in Jonah's story, when God said, I want you to go to Nineveh, the scripture tells us that he ran. Now, Nineveh was only 500 miles from Jonah's hometown. But you know, uh, you, you, you know where Tarshish was? 2,500 miles the opposite direction. That's like the distance from New York to Los Angeles. How many of you know Jonah wasn't just hiding, he was running. He went as far as he could, to, as far as he could go in the opposite direction of where God told him. Now here's an ancient thought, okay? You need to understand this, that in ancient days there was this thought and every nation had their own gods, okay? This nation worshiped this god, that nation worshiped that god, another nation worshiped a different god. And there was an ancient thought that gods of nations only had power in certain jurisdictions, okay? Well, so the God of this nation only had power within his borders. And maybe Jonah ran because he thought that God only had power within the promised land. And Jonah's thinking, as soon as I cross this little border right here, <laughs> so long, God, you got no power over me. How many of you know it's crazy to think that a, that a state line or a or national line would limit the power of God? But we do it anyway. I mean, do you have kids or grandkids that, that, you know, this little hide and seek or these little games that we play, sometimes they will cover their eyes. And if they can't see you, they think that you can't see them. It's kind of silly. It's almost the same way. Jonah may, may have had this same thought of God's limited ability or power to see. Have you ever run away from home? How many of you as a kid ever tried running away from home? Oh, y'all a bunch of religious people up in here. What? Man, I did. I remember being little and thinking, nobody appreciates me around here anymore. Wow, I get no love. Nobody sees the value that I add to this family. Oh, yeah, I'll show you. You just wait. You, you, you threaten to run away from home. You know, I remember telling my mom, you know, you don't love me like you used to. And all this stuff that I do, and you don't care about me. I'm going. And, you know, you, you're kind of hoping that she'll talk you out of it. Mama came to my room, but not to talk me out of it. She's helped me pack. <laughs> For real. She's like, well, now, listen, if you're going to run, you need some clean underwear, and you need some clean socks. She starts packing my bag, and I'm like, I mean it. 
for real this time, Mom. I'm going. Say, bye, baby. I wish you luck. God bless you. Come on, let's, let's gather around little Mike and let's pray for him. Bless coming in and bless going out. Bye. And you know, you got that little stick in your clothes and a little, little uh, handkerchief and you know, you pack some beef jerky and you're thinking, man, I'm really, this is for real this time. And I go like three blocks down the road and <laughs> get hungry. It's kind of scary out here. I'd end up right back on the front porch looking through the window. My sister's just having fun, all decorating the Christmas tree. And here's little Mike. Jonah thinks he's running from God. The Bible says, watch this, he bought a ticket. Can I tell you this? He bought a ticket to get on a boat to go the opposite direction. Here's what you need to know. Running will always come at a cost. It'll cost you to run from God. You think running from God is the easy way out. Can I tell you, when you run from the Lord, you have made your journey infinitely more difficult than it would have already been. It comes at a cost. The Bible says the way of the transgressor, the way of the sinner is hard. It's hard. It's difficult. Sometimes our flesh will lie to us and say the easy way will be to avoid God. But the scripture says that there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. It'll cost you. Can I tell you what I've learned about sin? <laughs> sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you more than you could ever pay. It'll cost you in happiness. It'll cost you in peace. It'll cost you in joy. It may cost you in some relationships. There's always a price tag to sin. But you know, Satan will always open the door to your disobedience. He'll always make sure that there's a spot on the boat this seat is for you. He'll always make sure that there's a ticket available. Come on, talk to me. Devil will do everything he can to open the door for your opportunity to self-destruct. Running will always come at a cost. But notice this. Every step away from God is always a step down. Every step away from God is not a step up, but it's a step down. Think about it. The Bible says that Jonah went down to Joppa. Then Jonah went down into the boat. Then Jonah eventually is going to go down into the sea. Then Jonah is going to get swallowed by a great fish and go down into the belly of the fish. And that fish is going to take him down into the depths. Every step away from God will take you down. Please hear the, please hear the heart of your pastor today. We all have a tendency to run but you need to realize this, God is everywhere. He's everywhere. You can't outrun him. You can't outlast him. Some of you are here today, boy, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost right now. Some of you are just so worn out, you're exhausted. You've been running and running and running. You're weary, you're exhausted, you're frustrated. Life has become more complicated and you're thinking, man, where do I go from here? I can't escape God's presence. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm 139, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence, Lord. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, guess what? You're still there. 
If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. Can I tell you this? You and I will never go where he has not already been. There's not a place on earth, there's not a place emotionally that you will ever go that Jesus Christ himself has not already been. Are you catching this today? Uh, let me give it to you this way, all right? I want, you to, I want to bring you through a little exercise, all right? I want you to think of a number, all right? You got it? Come on, put a number in your head right now. Think about it. In fact, you may need to write it down. Write down a number, a little sheet of paper, put it on your cell phone, think of a number. Now, I want you to take that number and double it, all right? You with me? All right, now I want you to add six to that number. You got it? All right, now I want you to divide it by two. You with me? Now I want you to subtract the number that you started with. Your number's three. (sighs) Pastor, I didn't realize how prophetic you were. Some of you are skeptics, okay? Let me try that again. New number, all right? Scrap it. New number. You can make it double digit. You can make it odd. You can make it even. New number. Ready? Double it. Now add six to it. Now divide it by two. Subtract your original number. (laughs) It's always three. You end up With three, there's no way to escape it. Can I tell you this? I don't care what road you take. You'll never be able to escape God. You can pretend that he doesn't exist. You can resist the voice of the Holy Spirit. You can build up walls to barricade the advice from parents and close friends and pastors who love you, but you will always end up with that voice of God reaching out to you. Number one, we all have a tendency to run. Check this out. Look at verse four. Oh, I got to hustle. Verse 4, so Jonah's running the opposite direction. Verse 4, but the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help, and they threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. I mean, here this prophet is in rebellion to God, and he's, he's asleep. He's just indifferent to all of it. Look at what the Scripture says, verse 6. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up. Somebody say, get up. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he'll pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. (laughs) Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are are you from? And what is your nationality? Can I tell you this? Your sin will find you out. Oh, my goodness. You may be fooling yourself, but you're not fooling God. Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Dun-da-dun-dun. Come on, Captain Obvious. Really? Look at what he says here. Then the sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them that he was running away from the Lord. (laughs) 
Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Verse 12, throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Second thing I want you to see is number two. Check this out. You can't outrun God. You can't. When you reach the end of yourself, you just tap into the beginning of who God is. And that's why sometimes God will let us reach a place of desperation. How many of you know you don't realize that God is all you need until he's all you have? You see, the story is simplified. God tells Jonah, go. Jonah tells God, no. God says to Jonah, oh? Come on, somebody say go. go. Say no. no. Say oh. It's like God said, oh, okay. Well, Jonah, well, okay, you do you then. You, 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 you do you. Do, if you tell me no, oh, really? You do you and tell me how that works out for you. You see, you can't outrun a loving father. Now, notice this. They're in a boat. Man, their storm is going crazy. All the crew is, I'm telling you, they're about to die. Listen to me. For those of you that are running from God, your bad decisions don't just affect you. It touches everybody that loves you. It touches people that care about you, moms and dads that pray for you, uh, brothers and sisters that hold out hope for you, close friends that have warned you and tried to help you, and, and all of your reckless choices don't just destroy your life. It puts everybody in jeopardy. Now, notice there are three, there are three kinds of storms. Let me, let me move through this quickly. This storm didn't just come out of nowhere. God sent the storm. Now, there are, for believers, there are three kinds of storms. There are protecting storms, there are perfecting storms, and then there are correcting storms. All right? Let, let, let me roll through this quickly. For believers, if you're in a storm, it's either a storm of protection, a storm of perfection, or a storm of correction. You say, Mike, what do you mean by protecting storms? Last week, when I preached about Jesus walking on the water, how many of you remember that? Y'all don't remember that? Man, I preached my heart out. I studied a long time for that one. Seven days. Please don't tell me you forgot it. Remember what had just happened? It was the, the feeding of the 5,000 with the two fish and the five loaves. It was the, the Lord had multiplied that and fed so many people on the hillside. Then he, Jesus tells his disciples to get in a boat and go to the other side. Why did he do that? Because the scripture tells us that at that moment when Jesus fed the multitudes, the crowd wanted to make him king by force. You're, you're going to be king, and you're going to be king right now. And Jesus knew that the disciples couldn't handle all of that praise and adulation. So in order to protect them, he says, I want you to get in the boat and get away from here. You can't handle the adoration and praise of the crowd. Come on, can I tell you this? Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves. And so Jesus told him to get in a boat, and he sent him right into a storm. You know what that tells me? that they were safer in the storm with Jesus than on the shore without him. It was a storm for their protection. 
You see, sometimes, some of you, maybe you, you've been wanting to get in a friendship group and you thought you were friends with somebody, but, but, but then they, they mistreated you or they, they, they rejected you. I'm here to tell you this, that sometimes God will use people's rejection for your protection. Sometimes he won't let you in that friend group or somebody will turn their back on you and you think, God, why have you forsaken me? No, 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 he's not. No, baby, I'm trying to protect you. If I would have allowed you to get in that people group right there, they would have ruined you. This storm came from me and it's not about your rejection, it's about your protection. There are protecting storms, but then there are perfecting storms. There are some storms that God will send in order to perfect you. What I mean by that is to to make you complete, to prepare you and to get you ready. Remember Joseph and his brothers that betrayed him? They they were going to kill him, but they ended up selling him as a slave. And some Ishmaelite traders were headed down to Egypt, so they, they sold him into slavery, and he finds himself serving in a man named Potiphar's house. And then he was accused, he was falsely accused of raping Potiphar's wife. And so Potiphar threw him in jail. Think about it. Joseph was betrayed by his brothers. He was framed and falsely accused. He was thrown into prison and he was forgotten for years. Left there to rot in an Egyptian prison until one day Pharaoh had a dream. What was God doing in Joseph's life that entire time? Because Joseph had a dream. God spoke to Joseph when he was a boy, but Joseph wasn't ready for it. And so these storms of betrayal and and, and false accusations and imprisonment, all of that was to get Joseph ready to become the prime minister of Egypt. You see, some of you have been praying for promotion. And God heard that prayer. Lord, bring me increase. Bring me to a new level, Father. Enlarge my territory in Jesus' name. Lord, I just pray pray that you give me divine favor everywhere I go. And it seems like one storm after another storm after another storm. God's sending these storms to perfect you. He's got to get you ready. Come on now. Are you with me? If he gave it to you when you asked for it, it would destroy you because you're not ready to handle it. The Bible says in Psalm 105, verse 19, until the time came to fulfill Joseph's dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Can I tell you something about trials? It's a little more than trouble. It's called training. There are protecting storms, perfecting storms, but then there are correcting storms. This is the case with Jonah. Jonah brought all of this on himself. And so God uses a storm to get Jonah's attention. Hear me. If you don't hear anything I say today, hear this. The storm of correction is not God trying to pay you back. It's God trying to bring you back. The Lord loves you so much. This is not punishment He's not trying to say, look at what you did. I'm going to make you pay for your sin. He's trying to get your attention and bring you back. Notice what the captain said. The Bible says in verse 6, so the captain went down after Jonah. It says, how can you sleep at a time like this? He says, get up. Somebody say, get up. Do you know it's the same words that God spoke to Jonah in verse 2? God spoke to Jonah and said, Jonah, get up and go to Nineveh. And now here Jonah is sleeping in the bottom of this boat, indifferent toward his rebellion, and the captain comes to him and says, get up. 
Can I tell you, here's what I feel God spoke to my heart for us as a church. God is allowing storms to happen in our country, and he's wanting to wake us up. He's wanting to wake us up. I mean, this whole pandemic thing, and man, you can have your own theories and philosophies of how it got started, how it's being politicized. I'm not here to debate that, but I am saying this. A sovereign God will allow things like that to happen to wake his church up. We got to get up. Uh, Some of us have been holding on to things, and God says, no, no, no. You got to wake up, shake yourself. You got to hold to me and me alone. Get out of your, your, your crazy just day-to-day mundane. No, no, no. I got to get your attention. Wake up. Oh, sleeper, awake. God may be using this as a megaphone to get our attention and say, keep your eyes on me. We all have a tendency to run, but you'll never outrun the love of God. Let me finish. Let me finish this portion. Look at verse 15. Then the sailors picked Jonah up, and they threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. Somebody say, Jonah overboard. (laughs) Do you see what's happened here? All of the crew is about to die. They have no recognition of the sovereign Lord. They question Jonah. They find out that his God is the God of the Hebrews who made the winds, who made the heavens and earth. And and they say, what should we do? And Jonah knew if you get rid of me, you get rid of the problem. Some of you have people in your life. (laughs) They create nothing but storms for you. And the only way you're going to have peace, come on, somebody, you got to throw them overboard. Man, you, you, the only way you're going to experience some calm, common sense is to get that drama out of your life. Quit inviting drama into your sacred space. Don't you wish that life came with like an ejection button? You could just, bye, he gone, she gone, whoo, I'm at peace. Notice what happens here. The minute Jonah is tossed into the sea, some people you just got to eliminate. You got to save the drama for your mama. Come on, somebody. No, not bringing that up in here. Not bringing that up in here. Bye. Disconnect, unfriend, block a number, whatever you got to do. Sacred space in order to have peace. The Bible says that when they threw him into the raging sea, the storm stopped at once. Now look at verse 16. The sailors, they were awestruck by the Lord's great power. And right there, they offered him a sacrifice and they vowed to serve the Lord. Can I leave you with this final thought? We haven't even got to the fish. We're going to do that next week, okay? Do not miss next week. Next week is kind of a big deal. It's going to be special too. But do you see how God can use even your mistakes for his glory? Look look, look who gets saved in this moment. Now, Jonah is a rebel 
without a cause. And yet God is so sovereign that even in spite of his disobedience, he says, I'm going to use all of that and I'm going to do what I want to do right here on this boat with these people. They don't even know me, but guess what? They know me now. Remember last week, whenever Jesus, this is so, the parallel is so amazing. Last week, in the middle of the storm, the disciples were in the boat. They thought they were going to drown. And Jesus, the scripture says, came walking to them on the water. After Peter steps out of the boat and sinks, Jesus reaches up, picks him up, and then gets back in the boat. And as soon as he enters the boat, everything gets calm. This is just the opposite. As soon as Jonah gets out of the boat, everything is calm. Can I tell you, God can use your obedience, and even in spite of your disobedience, God's going to do what God's going to do. And this is not about, listen, this message is not about the rebellion of Jonah. It's about the goodness of our God. Do you receive that today? Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit HealingPlaceChurch.org.